Hello, and welcome back to the PKD Dietitian Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Bruin. Today, I'm joined by special guest, Emily Frazier, for an honest discussion around navigating family planning with PKD. We are going to dig into what it looks like to go through IVF and PGTM in order to have a PKD-free baby. And no worries if you aren't sure what either or both of those are, we're going to break it down for you. So join us as we share personal experiences and insights into what the process is like. Our goal here is to start the conversation around your family planning options, to highlight IVF and PGTM so that you are aware of them, but also to share resources on where you can go for more info, support, and what you can do next. Welcome, Emily. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Please just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you're connected to the PKD community. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on your show. So my name is Emily Fraser. I am in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, Treaty 7 territory, and I have polycystic kidney disease. So I was diagnosed when I was a teenager. It runs in my family. My mother went through dialysis for several years and had a kidney transplant which is luckily still doing great. It's been 20 years. I luckily am pretty stable right now, but I've been really interested in finding ways that I can prevent the progression of the disease. So that's how I got connected with you and took your course and just really interested in raising awareness and education about the whole PKD world and the things that we can do to prevent the disease progressing before it's too late to make changes. And also, I am the Spoonie Mentor on Instagram because my work is as a chronic illness advocate where I help people who are struggling with chronic illnesses or fatigue and burnout learn how to thrive alongside their diagnoses. Thank you. And guys, we're going to give you all of Emily's contact information at the end so you know how to get in touch with her. Definitely hang on for that. Wow, 20 years. That's that's an amazing life for that that extra kidney that your mom got. That's yeah, exciting. I think my my uncle, he recently passed, but his kidney lasted 25 years too. They got lucky with good kidneys. <laughs> they took care of them too. That definitely yeah. speaks to it. So the words that really jumped out to me, Emily, were thrive, prevent the progression, and family. Mm-hmm. Today is a topic that we're covering that's near and dear to my own heart. And we're going to be actually talking a little bit about family planning and the potential to end PKD in your family tree. So I know you guys probably all sat up real tall when I said that, but Emily is going to be sharing with us a little bit about her experience. And she's actually going through it right now to start a family and ensure that her tiny human does not have PKD. So yeah, super exciting. And, and just a few terms that I want you guys to know ahead of time, because we're going to be talking about them with alphabet soup, kind of like their abbreviations. But the first term I want you guys to know is IVF. And that actually just means in vitro fertilization. In simple terms, it's fertilization done outside of the body. And then the other term that I want you guys to know what it is, it's called PGTM. 
and was actually formerly known as PGD. Oh my gosh, I was like formerly known as Prince in my head there. Um, <laughs> but the long term for that is pre-implantation genetic testing for monogenetic disorders. And yes, I had to read that. Just the simple explanation of that is you're testing an embryo to see if it has a specific gene or mutation, very much like PKD. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, we're going to be talking about IVF and PGTM. So let's talk about it. Emily, can you tell us a little bit about how it works or a little bit of the process, insight into the process? When I first got diagnosed with PKD, I've been monitored by a nephrologist every year. And so I remember once I told them that I was considering starting a family, we were going to start, that the doctor referred me to a genetic counselor just so I could learn the options and understand how this disease gets passed on to different generations and also know what options are available for us. And at that time, I had done a genetic test. You just, it's really simple. I just had to like spit into a tube and they sent it away and we knew the exact genetic mutation that was present. When they had said that if we want to make sure that we don't have any kids with PKD, then we would go through IVF. At that time, when I was younger, I was like, oh, like I, that's not something we would consider because, you know, of all of the diseases, especially in my family, like, you know, yes, dialysis is tough, but transplants have gone pretty well. And in my mind, I was like, I, I don't necessarily want to do that. I also work in the disability space. So it was a lot for me to grapple with that whole concept of like deciding not to transfer a disease. Then we found out actually last year that my husband has infertility. So our only way of conceiving was to go through IVF. And that's when the whole idea around doing genetic testing came up, this PGTM that you mentioned. So we spoke with a counselor again and decided that this was the right decision for us, especially because we would be going through it with my husband. What's really cool about it is we know that every one of my children would have a 50% chance of having PKD. And so with this testing, it's remarkable. They're able to test the embryos before they transfer it for a potential pregnancy with this, like, I don't even know, they call it a genetic probe and are able to detect with like a really high accuracy, which embryos have PKD. So the fact that this technology exists is just wild. So what I'm hearing is it's kind of like, you're like, okay, family planning, thinking about this, thinking about the gene, thinking about having kiddos and it got put to the side a little bit, but then all of a sudden life is like, guess what? you are probably going to need some help to conceive. Mm -hmm. And then when you started considering IVF is when really the option to do PGTM, that, that genetic testing came to. And I think I'm really lucky that I had a nephrologist who knew about this and had referred me early on to learn about it. I think looking back, because I'm 33 now, and I've actually spoken with a lot of people who are considering this, is that I wish that I had frozen eggs much earlier when I was younger, because I think it would have just been so much easier to do, and then they would have been frozen, it would have been good. And I'm the last person that has PKD in my family that wants to have children. So now with this genetic testing, to know that I am ending this disease in my entire family line is so, so powerful. And I know that the other people I've spoken with who have decided to go ahead with this process even without infertility factors at play, it really is that powerful ability to end the disease in their whole family line moving forward. 
Emily, I just got goosebumps. Like, <laughs> I mean, it it's life-changing for generations to come. What I want you listeners to hear out there is that there is the option. Whether you are for IVF, whether you are against it, regardless, this is a conversation if you are planning to have children or if you want to have children in the future to listen in on right now and talk with your doctors about. Like Emily said, she wishes she had started this earlier, but sometimes life finds you when you need to hear it. I want you guys to know that there is the opportunity and the option. And the only reason I say I wish I'd done it earlier is because our egg quality as women is so much better at that point. So that's why I say that. Also, a huge factor that people should know about is that now there's PKDU, an organization where they have a mission of having 100 PKD-free babies. So another huge factor for us was that we found out we could receive funding because this whole testing process is expensive. It's amazing what they can do with technology, but the fact that we applied and received funding from PKDU from Richard Kellner's organization was a huge bonus for us in deciding to go ahead with this testing. Absolutely. And we'll get to that in a little bit, guys. You know, you've heard me speak of PKDU before, and we're going to tell you how to get more information on that. Because yeah, when it comes down to it, the why we totally get PKD-free kiddos. Mm -hmm. The how and the funding sometimes can be a little bit fuzzier. Let's get back into what the process is actually like. So you do a genetic test and there's no blood involved. No. The reason that they're doing it is to identify exactly what type of PKD you have so they can look for it in your embryos, yes? Yes, because once the embryos are formed, they're not actually testing the whole embryo. They biopsy the embryo on day five when it's a blastocyst is what it's called. They only take one to two cells out. So they're actually testing just a couple of cells. So that's what's even more remarkable, the technologies. They can identify exactly whether the gene is present or not with just a couple of cells. There was a request at one point for my mother to give a blood test from the clinic we went through in New York, Cooper Genomics. But because she had such extensive medical records from her time, like with transplant and everything, we were able to submit that paperwork and that was enough for the genetic team. So it does depend on each person. I was lucky that I'd already done the swab genetic testing years prior. So I we knew exactly what gene they were searching for. I think that helped. So even if you're not considering starting a family anytime soon, you can do that test. and Because it, it does take three months to get that result, just so you know. And then the only thing we needed to do was for them to create the unique probe for us. My husband and I and my parents had to send um, like just a quick swab sample inside of our mouth so that they could make sure that it was all set. I honestly, I couldn't describe how it all works <laughs> on a technical <laughs> level, but I know that it was honestly pretty simple for us to, they sent us a swab kit with clear instructions. We swabbed inside of our cheeks and then just sent it away. Yeah. And they did, they tested your mom because that helps you get so much more specific. Exactly. So the more family members on the PKD side of your family where they do these tests, it really helps them hone in. I like to call them targeted testing, hone in on your exact gene mutation. I mean, we're talking crazy science here. And it's just, it's fascinating to me. And, and thank you for explaining that because it was a very easy to understand process of how, how it works. So once you do the genetic test, and they create the probe, which essentially, guys, is Emily's specific 
gene pattern that they're looking for. That's all it is. So the next step is the actual IVF phase. Exactly. Um, So likely at the fertility clinic you go with, they'll want to do some baseline testing on you and your partner, or if you're using a sperm donor or however it works. We we were at the clinic for a few months doing tests because there was infertility involved. So that is part of the process, usually if you're at a fertility clinic. And then the next step was egg retrieval. And so that involves injections, which honestly, I was so nervous about the hormone injections. You put them into your stomach because I'm someone who even when I get blood draws, I, I look away and I get squirmish and faint. The needles were so tiny. And honestly, giving them to myself, that was what I was most worried about. That's almost the reason I didn't even want to do IVF from the beginning. It was so not as bad as I thought. It was really manageable. So you have to do hormone injections because their goal is to overstimulate your ovaries so that you produce multiple eggs. Because usually in a menstrual cycle, only one egg gets released. And if it isn't fertilized, then that's what becomes the period. In this case, they want to give you hormone injections so that you stimulate all the follicles. And they also are giving you at a certain point another hormone so that it prevents the eggs from being released too early. You'll be monitored throughout getting blood tests and internal ultrasounds just to see how things are progressing and to adjust the levels and the dosages. Some people, it's just a week of injections. For me, it was a bit over two. And once they looked at the size and shape of follicles and were happy with it, then you get the egg retrieval part. So that's where they insert a probe and they basically suck out (laughs) all of the different eggs from your ovaries, which is just wild. If you choose to do PGTM testing, then what happens is they have to individually place each sperm with a pipette into each egg to fertilize, whereas in a traditional thing, they would just put them all in a dish and then whatever fertilizes naturally, those are the embryos. In this case, that would create too much genetic material in the dishes, which would affect the test results. So we did something, which my husband needed anyways, called ICSI. I-C-S-I, and that essentially is that concept of individually placing each sperm into the egg to fertilize. And then it's just a waiting game. You you cross your fingers and you see how many of them make it to day five or day six. Usually the embryologist or the lab will call you every day and give you an update. We were super lucky. We had 22 eggs retrieved, which was amazing. Everyone was really happy with that. Only 19 of them were mature because not all the eggs will be mature. And then unfortunately, and this is because of the factor with my husband already, we only had eight fertilized. So other people will have different different results. It's always a numbers game. And in the end, we only actually had two that made it to the final stage required to be biopsied. If anyone's listening and feeling overwhelmed, like it took me months of like going through the process to understand all of this. So even if it feels overwhelming now, just know that that's really common. And I was like, what are all these terms at the beginning? I absolutely second that. And we're going to point you towards some resources right now. Just kind of absorb a little bit about what it is. Okay. So Emily, (laughs) you did the IVF, you got the eggs, you got them fertilized and then you saw which ones lasted and grew for about five to six days and then you were able they were able to go in with your special targeted probe to see if they carried the pkd gene yes okay biopsied the embryos 
and then froze them. So they're frozen right now. And then with the cells, they shipped them to the clinic that was going to be, that already had the genetic tests set up. They got sent over the holidays and we actually just got our results this morning. We have one viable embryo, which I know some people would be like, only one, but we're really grateful to have one that came back healthy. The other one that made it to that final stage does have PKD. You know, they say 50% chance, even though it's per embryo, we, it really was 50-50 for us. So the next stage of that is we're going to transfer. The transfer is honestly the easy part. You can choose to do natural or you can choose to have injections. I'm on hormone injections right now to thicken the endometrium lining and just make sure that once we do transfer that embryo after they thaw it, that it does stick and become a, a successful pregnancy. Congratulations. That's so exciting. And folks, what she means by the endometrium lining is they're just getting her uterus ready to accept that egg and to increase the chance that it starts percolating her tiny human. Mm -hmm. um, and with PKD, they'll actually only transfer one egg at a time. Mm -hmm. You do not want multiple uh, births at the same time just because it is harder on the kidney. So they're only going to do one. That's super exciting. I look forward to your updates and I'm throwing all my positive mojo your way. Thank you. So, I know like for for people listening, like, Having only one viable embryo is definitely like not common. It is in big part due to the infertility factors that my husband has. And who knows, egg quality could have been a factor too. So I just want to give hope. I know people who have done this and they have like 12 PKD free embryos frozen that they can transfer whenever they want. So uh, most people will have better odds because it is expensive depending on what is covered and where you live. Wowzers, 12. That could be a very big I know. Family. He's like, I've got a whole Von Tramp family frozen. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Not to make light with your husband and some of the infertility stuff, but generally with IVF, people are coming in because they do have a fertility issue. Mm -hmm. I know myself, I have gone through several rounds of IVF with my husband in the past to attempt to start to have a family. And that was fertility. And we unfortunately were not able to have children. It wasn't successful for me, but with PKD, it's not necessarily a fertility issue. It's a genes issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different reasons why people might end up pursuing IVF. Um, and everyone's journey is so unique. I think the power of knowing that even PGTM genetic testing is an option is that you know and you can start thinking about it. I think it is such a personal decision and everyone needs time to process that on their own and decide what is the best decision for them and their family because it is unique. For us, this was the right decision. I mean, in some ways, we really viewed it as synchronous that it all lined up that way. Like, we didn't know that my husband had the fertility issues, but his required ICSI and IVF. And then those are the exact two procedures required for this genetic testing for PKD. And I remember just asking the universe for a sign. I was like, give me a sign if we're meant to do this genetic testing. And that's the exact day that I saw a post about this new grant that PKD had started. So it, I, that oh, for me, it was just all like, this is meant to happen. And, and now... We have one potential baby there who's, you also, your embryos get graded. Ours were all A's. That's what I heard. I think it's like A, B, C. So even the fact that it's like, this is the healthiest embryo possible. And I hope that it sticks. 
And if not, well, likely we're going to go through this whole process again. And I say that to share, like, in the moment, there will always be ups and downs. It's definitely an emotional journey. Have support around you. But for me, it's definitely doable. And I can definitely see myself doing it again if I need to. I'm just in a place of surrender and trusting that what's meant to happen is going to happen. And all you need is one embryo. Exactly. That's all you need. Okay, <laughs> so you mentioned it's emotional journey. And, and you also mentioned that, you know, this is something you we want people to start thinking about that because it is an opportunity. And that's really how I function um, as a dietitian and on this podcast is I want everyone to know their opportunities. I want them to know how and why and what it entails so they can make their own educated and emotional decisions. And that's why I feel like this conversation is so important for folks to hear and start thinking about. But let's get to that emotional part. I want to talk a little bit about what was it like getting the hormone injections and being emotionally invested in having this many eggs or in the end, a PKD-free embryo? Like, what was that like? Because as the woman, you're going through giving yourself shots and getting your blood drawn. And from my personal experience, that was probably the hardest physically and emotionally moment. Yeah. Like it was, it was rough. I think the emotional journey began even before that, because, you know, you get into the medical world and they start throwing terms out like mutations and stuff. And it's really hard to be the person who has PKD and recognize that if this technology had existed when your parents were conceiving, you might not be here. That was the most emotional part for me because I think in some ways it is tricky to be like being fully healthy is exactly like what's best. Like I think you can run into the risks of feeling ableist in that sense. Like that was what I was grappling with and just being like, I have had a really fulfilling life and yes, I have PKD, but that doesn't mean that anything's wrong with me. And like, there's so many things that I can do to help. Like we've talked about, like slow the progression. And also like I'm at the point with all of the lifestyle changes I've made that my nephrologist doesn't even think I'll need dialysis or a kidney transplant anymore. So knowing that and believing in human ingenuity and believing that in the future, like who knows, our future children could have stem cells grow a replacement kidney. Technology, I believe, is going to advance. So that was a big part of the emotional aspect, yes. I think knowing with certainty that I would be able to end it in my whole family line, that was the most powerful piece. And then, yeah, the emotional ride of the hormones. I mean, I'm in a really unique situation that I had gone through a really traumatic brain injury in 2019 and I had been off work. I was formerly a teacher and I'd experienced a lot of emotions and ups and downs and hormonal imbalances. So I, I've definitely lucky that I have experienced knowing how to regulate my emotions and use all sorts of coping strategies for nervous system regulation, which was an asset. Even with all that expertise, yeah, doing the injections, like they're no joke. It can feel scary. And they're pumping hormones into your body. So of course your mood is going to be affected. It was tough on my partner, I think, because of my mood swings. As long as you have really good communication, you have really good boundaries. Like for me, I just had to I knew and I kept reminding myself, like, this is temporary. It's for a short amount of time. And I also knew that, like, if I needed a break, I just needed to go and, like, be on my own and do a meditation and calm down. So there's lots of things you can do to cope with it. One of the things that helped me was being able to touch base with other people who have gone through it because there really is an incredible community 
of people who've gone through IVF who can share that balance with not, I, I kind of kept myself in the dark with certain things just because I didn't want to f- hyper fixate on them. I was like, I'll just figure out the steps as I go through them. And then like, you know, I didn't want to know too much. But even for example, every, every, like every person, depending on your doctor and your own health is going to have a different amount of hormones and different type of drugs and different ways that they're injected. Like I had needles that were already pre-filled or sometimes I had to turn a dial before I injected but it was pretty simple. Whereas now I'm on a different type of hormone where like I have to draw vials and like figure out the dosage myself. I was like, oh, I didn't know how lucky I had it back then when I didn't have to do that. So it's like (laughs) at every stage, it's like you look back and you realize like, okay, there was a silver lining there. And my husband is luckily helping me now with these ones. I was like, can you just prepare them for me? And then I'll do the injection or I'd never used an ice pack during the egg retrieval because I didn't find I needed it. But with this new drug, I noticed, oh, this one hurts more than the other. So I'm doing an ice pack before and that makes it so much better. So like you always learn little tips and tricks about how things will work and what area on your stomach or thigh, for example, feels better. And if you're considering doing this, and even if you're not like you're resilient and it's just tapping into that innate resilience, like you can get through this. I remember when I was doing it, a little bit of the fear of the unknown, like, mm-hmm. am I going to mess this up? You've paid for procedures, you've paid for expensive medications. And I had like a whole calendar grid on on my refrigerator and I would check it off. And I had my little sharps container and I had some, some of the shots just like you too. And I was like, the fear was worse than the doing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I kind of laughed about it, but like you said, sometimes the emotions are, are no joke. It's just being in that moment and being honest about what you're feeling. Like I remember one time I came in and my husband's like, Oh, your hair looks nice today. And I just started crying. (laughs) I was like, okay. And he's like, he came over and just gave me a big hug. And I was like, it's feeling a little bit wishy-washy here and being honest about what you're feeling and acknowledging this is something I'm choosing to do, but never once. And and I went through several cycles of retrievals, but never once did I actually think it wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm. And we didn't get the that end outcome that we we would have loved, but I would do it again. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned your husband being a support and you found some support online. Was this people who had gone through IVF or was this PKDers? Who it was had- a mix of both. Okay. Like I had found a couple of people through PKDU that had gone through P- like the IVF and PGTM testing. And I found other people who are spoonies. I said I'm the Spoonie Mentor on Instagram because Spoonie is a term for people who need to count their spoons, aka energy every day to move through and pace themselves. So I have the advantage of having a large following on Instagram. So when I shared I was going through this journey, a lot of people naturally reached out and were like, hey, like I'm a Spoonie and I did this and I was able to ask questions. I found some Facebook support groups for people locally at the same clinic as me. Sometimes hit or miss because sometimes you can end up in a Facebook support group that's like kind of negative. So like trust yourself about what you need, but... I also found a lot of support from people who knew nothing about IVF, just friends and family and being able to explain the process helped me. And I also know people who've gone through this whole process without telling a soul because they just wanted to do it on their own. Everyone's different. Like I said, I really benefited from sharing and educating and and keeping people updated on my journey. That is not a requirement at all. And the cool thing about Facebook support groups is you can post anonymously now in most of the groups too. So if you're looking for support in that way, you can do it. I have several clients that are going through the IVF and retrieval cycle 
right now and they don't share it. And that's not a good or bad thing because it's theirs. That is absolutely everyone's choice. And one of them, though, I want to share our experience. And she gave me permission to say this, that she asked for their information for their support group. And they told her, oh, you're not going to find anything there because it's all fertility issues and it has nothing for you. And that just really bothered me. And and it upset her too, because she said she felt like she was so alone that she wanted to be able to connect with other people that were going through IVF. I really like to hear that you found support. And I personally, and have looked so many times for support for people specifically with PKD. And I didn't find anything like that. I don't know if you did. Um, and if listeners out there, if you know of it, I would love to know because people are looking. Yeah. I think what's different is that even in the PKD community, which I'm starting to get more connected to now, like for me, having PKD hasn't really affected my life other than seeing a nephrologist once a year, like, because I, I'm not at the point of like renal failure. So I mean, I think we all have family members who have been through transplants, but that's the thing. If we're if we're people who are choosing to go through this for PGTM testing for PKD, like we're obviously proactive type of people. So I found a lot of connection from and and honestly, I welcome anyone to message me if they have questions about this or if they're going through. Like I can definitely be a resource and support for that because it just helps to know. And also I don't know, I'm sometimes into the woo-woo world. So I also really believe in just putting it out there and saying like, I would really like to find support for this journey or I would really like to be connected with a doctor who understands and and just trusting the support that will come to you. It's not always about us forcing and trying to go and find. Sometimes I just think about staying grounded and believing something will come to you and it will. Like that's definitely what what happened for me in my journey and even finding out about the grant for the PGTM testing. Honestly, like doing all the stuff yourself and going for the appointments, like you'll be able to manage them and everything else is so short. And I imagine like nothing compared to what childbirth will be. So it's good preparation. Well, I'm hoping that in about nine months, you're going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'm throwing that out. Yeah, to the I universe know, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, was there anything unexpected or surprising to you? while you were going through this IVF journey? I was just shocked when I started to open up how many people have gone through IVF. So that was the most surprising thing to me. And also like just what technology can do and all the different factors involved and all the different drugs. It, it was just surprising to me how it all worked. I will say that advocating for yourself is super important. Like I happen to be at a clinic that's very, very busy. And sometimes it's easy to feel like a number. So just with everything, anytime you're in the medical system, like advocate for yourself, follow up, make sure to keep track of things. Cause there were definitely a lot of times that I had to like catch things and be like, aren't we supposed to start this now? So just like, make sure you find a doctor or a clinic that you trust. And if you're feeling unsupported, reach out and advocate for yourself. I would definitely say, cause that was surprising to me is like how many times I had to be like, what's happening. And then they're like, Oh, this is happening. I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> Oh man, you, I bet you had a calendar on your fridge too. Luckily my experience was very well, like they printed everything out for me. It was, it was wonderful. And I, I really liked the doctor that I was working with. So that was, that was a really nice experience. And they actually had their uh, pharmacy in the building. So I could just go pick up my meds, go on the way to work. And, you know, and I told my office mate who was a social worker at the time what I was doing. And so, so she knew I wasn't going crazy, but I agree speaking to it and about it. Once you speak to something, it takes away any shame or any negative 
aspect that can grow because there's nothing negative about this. There's yeah. no, there's no, no shame in this. No. And I do believe that because we're speaking to people who are younger, single people, partnered people, married people, whatever you are, younger, you can think about this. It doesn't mean in the future that you have to go through with stuff, but think about it and, and yeah. consider what you would like your life or family to look like. And you have those choices now. You're in Canada, so you have universal health care, yes? But it doesn't cover IVF. Okay. Because I know in some places across the pond and... It does if you live in Ontario or Quebec. Okay. They cover everything. Oh, man. So I don't know all the logistics about it, but what I would like to talk... Because you mentioned earlier it's expensive. And I tell you guys, it can be very expensive. However... What I would like to talk about is some places and some insurances cover IVF. And so check with your insurance company what they will cover because you have to do the procedures. You also do the medications. And then for me, what was shocking was the storage of the eggs um, wasn't covered. And that was very expensive. They have financial advisors, I know stateside, that can walk you through kind of like what this would look like financially. Yeah. And and I was really lucky. Like my husband's new job has amazing benefits. We have only had to pay like $30 for all of the medication so far, which is like incredible because I think one one pen was like $750 or something. I about, just, really I about just fell off my chair. <laughs> let me tell you, my insurance was not amazing and I have lots of money. You can't see it, but I'm making it rain. Lots of money. <laughs> I would do it. Like I said, guys, I would do it again. And I know that if you work for Apple, someone mentioned they cover IVF. And yeah, family. apparently Starbucks too. Like, And there's also clinics who have financial like funding available if you ask. So I think it just really varies depending exactly on where you are. And like, even if you have a flex spending account or a health spending account, like that can cover different expenses too. Like we're still trying to figure out what we can submit receipts for and whatnot, but yeah. So long story short there, guys, do not let thinking about cost be a speed bump or hindrance for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I believe PK Do is also doing work right now to try and see if they can help with more of the, the financial aspect of the IVF procedure, not just the PGTM. Okay, let's talk about PK Do for a moment right now. You applied for a grant with PK Do. What was this grant for or how did that work? It was honestly so easy. I was like, I, I was right at the beginning. So I think they have a bit more of a formal application process. I literally just emailed. I was like, does this work even if I'm in Canada? Because the organization is based in the States. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, well, I happen to already be going through IVF, like about to start it, explain my situation. And they're like, yep, you're approved. It was like within hours. I was like, okay, this is amazing. I was like, is this even legitimate? Like I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Some Nigerian prince is going to pay for you. Just going to like IVF. literally give me a few thousand. I was like, okay. Um, but it was. And um, I actually have recorded an interview with Richard Kellner, the founder. Um, his wife passed from um not exactly from PKD, but definitely complications from after having a transplant. So you can definitely listen to that episode to learn more about like the mission of PKD and and why um, why they chose this mission of 100 PKD free babies. Like I said, it was just the universe definitely connected me somehow with them. And it's it's been really cool to see what they're doing, even for like supporting the Canadian, like even though they're American based. Wow. Two hours. I'm yeah. <laughs> Definitely. No, I was actually like, what the, I literally had just that morning been like, universe, give me a sign if we're meant to do genetic testing. 
and there's like boom Instagram post and then boom email then boom you're approved I just love that story I just have all the feels for that and and just feel positive for this one embryo like the trajectory of this for you is I want to say the word beautiful mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what it came to mind but so Richard Kellner he founded PK Do. And I've spoken about it before, but they have an initiative right now for 100 PKD free babies. I'm going to share the link to the podcast that Emily mentioned with Richard so you can learn a little bit more about his why and how he came to founding this. It'll be in the show notes. Whether your insurance covers IVF or not, they generally do not cover this genetic testing, the PGTM. That's generally out of pocket. And we're talking a good chunk of change here, thousands of dollars to do this. And that's the super important part to NPKD. The goal for PKDU is to help bridge that cost, to help fund you in what insurance is not covering for that testing so that you can end it in your family tree and eliminate PKD, like Emily mentioned. And that's just so generous, but also so important. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like, For the people who have chosen to do this, if I wanted to conceive with my husband, we had to go through IVF. And that is like a big reason why we chose to continue this. I have so much admiration and respect for people who are going through this whole IVF process because of that mission of not wanting to pass on to their children. Like, I think that is such a beautiful thing and just remarkable that this exists. (laughs) Like even it used to even be like thousands and thousands of dollars for this testing. My my doctor was explaining like they've recently made even more advancements with research that can like make it a bit more cost effective. So it's just it's wild to see how things progress and what's possible these days. I can't wait to see what else happens in our lifetime. Um, Mm -hmm. Guys, go check out PKDo. We're going to link everything out, listen to the podcast, get connected with them. They have a fantastic download on their website that walks you through in very simple steps what we've been talking about today, how IVF works, how PGTM works, and how it can basically help have this whole next generation of children being born without PKD. I mean, think about that, 100 children. The ripples, the ripples. Mm-hmm. It's and and right now it literally is the only way we know to NPKD. So go to their website, and they also have they have great resources on their website. They have links to IVF specialists. They have information for you. Get connected with them. I know they're on Instagram. We're going to share all of that goodness. But also, feel free to apply. It, it funding is something that is holding you back. Because we don't want that to happen and they don't want that to happen. So what was it like being like, okay, you're approved? It was amazing. I was like, what? Like, is this real? And yeah, I was just thinking the other thing is that my, the doctor who deals specifically with with families who are doing PGT testing was like so excited to receive the information from PKDU because they were like, wait, I have a lot of patients with PKD. Like, can you please like tell me more? So that's another thing. Like if you have any connections to fertility doctors or any fertility clinics, sharing this resource with them, because some people don't even know that it's an option for them. I've talked to a lot of those people and a lot of people who have young children are like, I would have done anything. Yeah. I would have done anything. And, and that's like just the awareness. Like it has to come from the nephrologist. Yeah. You know, people are getting diagnosed with PKD younger and younger these days. That conversation about family planning, I mean, might be a little awkward if you're like 20, (laughs) but 
it needs to happen from the yeah. primary care doctor, from the nephrologist, from from each other. Mm-hmm. I see it go around on social media and sometimes it gets a little bit heated just knowing what your options are. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I got to ask you, is there anything that you would like to add to this conversation that I didn't think of or I didn't ask or that you think is super important for folks to know? No, I think we covered a really good like overview of what to expect. I think just, again, that caveat of like, I know it can sound really overwhelming and there's all sorts of acronyms you might not understand, but just knowing that if you... If you are planning to start a family and you have PKD and you want to prevent the spread, that there is an option that exists and that education is power. So just to learn more about it and 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 spread the word and and know that it's a really great thing, but it's also such a personal choice and that there's nothing wrong if you choose not to also do this process. Just knowing what op- and also, for example, if none of my embryos had been viable and are and they and they all had PKD, like we would have, even with having received the grant, Richard was like, you can still transfer that embryo. So like, it is an option, but so you're not like destroying the embryo because it has a kidney disease that makes it unusable. Like that's not the case. Sometimes it's just about having information and more information can be powerful. So just know that lots of options exist and it's just so cool that these resources are available for us. Yeah. And there's folks out there like yourself that are willing to be open and honest and and share. And there's generous people out there like PK do. So it's there. And sometimes you just have to look. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I promised everyone that they would get all the details to connect with you. So if you don't mind, share your socials, say, share where they can find you, because I know that you're gonna be uh you're gonna be hearing from folks after this conversation. <laughs> The best place to reach me, I'm really active on Instagram at the Spoonie Mentor. And my website is emilyfraser.ca, F-R-A-S-E-R. If you do have a chronic health condition or chronic illness and you want support with learning how to pace and slow down, I tend to help people learn how to rest. Um, You can definitely check out my courses or online programs there. And yeah, my podcast is The Spoonie Podcast. And you can scroll back to find an episode I did with Richard Kellner last fall, 2023. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to hearing from anyone. Don't hesitate to reach out no matter what stage you're at or what questions you have. Perfect. And that is all for today. 